Seven games to go, including this one. Three home, four away, three in the division, and three against the teams ahead of Los Angeles in the NFC standings. The Eagles, the Vikings, the Saints. Here we go to Marco Farr, Maurice Jones-Drew, and J.B. Long. I can tell there's a lot on your mind as we get set for this week, this Week 11 trip to Minneapolis. It feels like it's about to get real. No, it definitely does. But I just want to know, how are these teams, uh, except for the Eagles, ahead of the Rams when they all have the same record? (laughs) I'm just still trying to figure out how they work this thing out. Record in your conference. That's that new math. Record in your conference. Oh, my goodness. So they're they're seeding them as if we were to play out the tiebreakers at this moment, which obviously there's a long way to go. There is. But I I think, uh, and DeMarco, correct me if I'm wrong, every player, if you have a competitive spirit, you want to make sure that what you're doing – uh, in your off season or what you're doing in practice, uh, especially when you play against like a Minnesota Vikings defense or an offense mm-hmm. that is flying, uh, you want to see where you are. You want to te- oh, yeah. te- test to see if you are who you think you are. And I think that's the beautiful part about these these next couple games down the road is you're going to get tested week in and week out against some great opponents. Usain Bolt, I think you're about halfway down in the 100-meter dash, and somebody is about to extend and separate. So this is the time. Um, this is where it's funny, man, um, when people knocked Russell Wilson and the Seahawks for letting him go back in the game with that concussion. Man, it's crunch time in the NFL, especially in this conference. Right. Um, you are jockeying for position. Uh, it's wide open, so to speak. So. Uh, some of these good teams will start to separate. Some of these pretenders will start to fall back. We're going to see. Um, I like what you said. Um, it's a it's a championship schedule left for the Rams. Let's see who comes out on top. The four NFC division leaders are all seven and two or better. Eagles eight and one. Vikings Saints Rams seven and two. Since the NFL went to four divisions in each conference in '02, that's only happened once in the AFC. Hmm. In week 15, 2004. So that's how unique this is. And as good as 7-2 and two in first place feels for Los Angeles, what they did in the first half and at home against Houston, there's not much separation there. They're a bad week in yeah. terms of their own result and the results around the NFL from being back on the bubble, basically. True. And Minnesota is wrapped all around this because didn't they? aren't they the ones who knocked Aaron Rodgers out, which changed everything in the NFC? Yeah, they did. It's still yeah. tight, though. It's I, yeah. think, I mean, every division, um, I feel like, except for the NFC East, or the NFC side, uh, the NFC East is kind of locked in, right? Teams, mm-hmm. they're losing. All lost last week. The Eagles didn't do anything. They're still 8-1. But everyone else has, they're contending with someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's the Saints, you have the Panthers. If it's the Rams, you have the Seahawks. And if it's the Vikings, you still have a chance. I mean, there's a couple teams you have. You still have Detroit who can kind of slide in and make some some hay. You have Green Bay. If they can sneak two or three wins Mm -hmm. out without Aaron Rodgers, and then he comes back because he's now taking snaps at practice. I mean, there's still a chance to get some things going. So that's what makes this whole little stretch here that much more important, right? Because everyone's still jockeying for playoff position. Yeah. Only the Falcons have a tougher remaining schedule in terms of opponent winning percentage than the Rams. Uh, for what it's worth, Seattle is seventh on that list, and they take on the Falcons. So it's not an unfair fight in terms of winning your division. Um, but looking back, I wonder if this undermines, in your guys' estimation at all, the 7-2 and two record that the Rams have established. Again, based purely on opponent win percentage. And there are other factors here, your road schedule, all of that. The Rams have played the second easiest slate in terms of their prior schedule. Does that mean anything to you? Whoever's in front of you, you got to beat them. Mm-hmm. You can't control who you play and who, who how the schedule goes. Um, 
I feel like the Rams have done what they're supposed to do in each and every game to go to Jacksonville and win uh, and fix, figure out that puzzle piece to go to, to uh, London and, and shut out the Cardinals then to come back and play. I mean, that the traveling there is, is, is very uh, affects the body a ton. So right. I, I think for them to handle all those things and then come back, have a little adversity that we talked about on the broadcast against the Texans and still bounce back. They have that belief and you can see it when you watch the highlights or you hear Jared talk. Uh, they talk about like, okay, now we're on a roll. Now we're about to go. And literally, they took off. Margin of victory to me, too. It's not just the teams that they've beaten. Smashed. But, by the way, you put seven losses on, on your wake, basically. Like, yeah, yeah. The schedule behind you is going to have a lower winning percentage because you put it on them. But it's also the double-digit victories that you're racking up against those opponents that I think give yeah. the Rams and Goff and McVay and everyone who's supporting this franchise belief that the best results might still be to come. You didn't sneak by some of those teams. No. You, you blew them out of right. the water. I get you. Um, but I do, there is a little bit of worry. What happens when you bump up against another team that feels exactly At like you place, do? At their place, starting to get cold. Can you in, raise yeah. it up one more time? Mm-hmm. Can you raise it up another level? So, I mean, that's why you hear Sean McVay and the players talking about it. They're excited about this matchup. And I remember being excited about those. When you're not intimidated or scared or flustered about facing another good football team. You're anxious for the challenge. Now, whatever happens on Sunday is going to happen, but as far as bringing it and belonging there with that football team, yeah, I think they've they've qualified for that. Now, let's see if you can get over the top of this football team as well. We're going to spend most of the next couple of segments talking about, on paper and on mm-hmm. roster, why the Vikings 7-2 and mark is very much justified. I mean, I think in a lot of ways it's not just uh, the record of the Vikings that brings this home it's the personnel you're going to face what they've put down on film that makes you realize this might be the toughest test since seattle at home dallas on the road i mean jacksonville was a big challenge but for different reasons but as far as complete football team oh yeah this is you got a quarterback yeah you got legitimate (laughs) targets you got an elite defense you're going to their place case keenum knows you yeah right well i think more for me when you when you know when i was playing ball and demarco you said it earlier Mm -hmm. I remember playing against Bob Sanders and being upset that he wasn't out there, right? Because he, you know, Bob would miss games here and there from certain injuries, and then finally got a chance to play against a guy like that, that caliber. Because I, I have to make sure that I believe what I'm believing is true. And I think when you talk about all these matchups, uh, if it's Andrew Whitworth versus Everson Griffin, or if it's uh, our our DBs versus their receivers, or vice versa, our receivers versus their DBs, or if it's Todd versus those or linebackers, you versus your own mistakes. Yeah, yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> how do you? How are you going to perform? The beautiful thing, though, I think that we, we, we have to remember the Rams play lights out on the road. I mean, that's something that they have going for them. It's not one of those teams that struggle on the road. They literally play lights out on the road. And, and again, Jacksonville, I don't care how tough a defense uh, that they'll face from now on, Jacksonville was the toughest defense that they'll face for the rest of the year. Uh, 4-0 on the road for the first time since 2001, plus a London quote-unquote home win. The Patriots are the only other franchise in the NFL still unbeaten away from home. Just getting started on this week 11 edition of Rams All Access with DeMarco Farr and Maurice Jones-Drew. Coming up, our All Access poll question. How many trips to Minneapolis will the Rams make before the first Sunday in February? We'll tackle that. Plus four down territory with Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings for ESPN and ESPN.com. And inside the numbers, Robert Woods as a number one target in the National Football League. It's all still ahead on Rams All Access on ESPN LA. An official partner of the Los Angeles Rams, visit vividseats.com backslash Rams today to reserve your official ticket travel and VIP tailgate package to the next game. The next game is a trip to Minnesota to take on the 7-2 and two Vikings. That means Keenum versus Goff. Who would have thunk it? 
managing two winning franchises. Uh, let's do Keenan versus Goff right here. The switch was made a year ago this week. We all remember coming back from a field goal victory in New York, getting ready for Miami. And uh, Jeff Fisher announces to Britney Spears' children first, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> that it's going to be Goff, uh, the rookie. Um, look, wow. before we kind of dig into it, can we all agree? Uh, it, you know, if if you want Case Keenum to throw three or four interceptions this week, fine. That that's that's every Rams fan's entitlement. But if you're not wishing Case Keenum well in his career oh. uh, overall, I think you're doing it wrong because he was put in a really difficult predicament last year. Yeah. Even more so in hindsight. He didn't slip up once. I mean, I, I think he handled it as the consummate professional. Disagree? No, I agree with you. Uh, good guy. Uh, great team guy. Uh, good backup quarterback, supportive of the starter, and when he became the starter, tried to lead the football team as, as best he could. Yeah, I have no animosity whatsoever. Um, uh, you know, when they, when they try to make this Jared versus uh, Case, if Jeff Fisher were still here, then I'd, I'd probably see some bad blood. This is just the guy that got an opportunity with Minnesota, and God bless him. And Jared Goff, as soon as he would draft, as soon as he was drafted here to Los Angeles, if you're Case Keenum, you knew the writing was on the wall. At some point, you're going to have to cede your job to this kid. And for Case to get that opportunity, another former Rams quarterback, Sam Bradford, had to go down, and Teddy Bridgewater mm-hmm. did not return in time to kind of take the torch. So here we are, and uh, for a moment, the Vikings kind of played it close to the vest in terms of naming their starter, but based on what we saw against Washington last week, knowing the Rams were coming to town, you had to think all along Case Keenum was going to get this start, right? Oh, yeah. I think, again, when you talk about Case Keenum from last year and Jared Goff from last year, this year, the biggest thing is receivers, right? Look, oh, look, yeah. at, look at the receivers. Hold up, hold up, hold up, to. hold up. I don't disagree, but is that the biggest thing? Um, no. I feel, I feel like, I DeMarco, going. what's the but, biggest thing? Well, let's just be nice. Let's just be nice to people can who I, aren't here anymore. Can I phrase it this way? Go ahead. The two most improved quarterbacks in the National Football League in terms of QBR played for which franchise last year? The Rams. There you go. No, you're right. But, again, <laughs> I'm just saying receivers. Think, think about think about some of the throws last year that Jared Goff threw to some of the receivers last year and how the ball hit off their pad, yep. popped oh, yeah. up. I mean, we, had a, we led the league in drop passes uh, the whole year. So uh, now Case Keenum goes to Minnesota, really good offensive line. Running game was really good with Dalvin Cook. Now they're kind of trying to figure it out with Latavius Murray and uh, McKinnon. But I think the, the 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 difference that when I see everything is literally he has guys on the outside you can throw the ball to and they go and yeah. get it. And, and that's huge. And then look at Jared, right? Granted, yeah. Whitworth is huge, but when Jared throws the ball, those guys go and get it. True. And, and there's an expectation now. And so I think when you see both those guys, I think they were still the same players last year. They just didn't have the supporting cast to help them in the passing game. Now you see what they can do because, again, Case Keenum the last couple of years mm-hmm. before Jared got here was throwing the wide receivers that were dropping the ball as well. So True. I think he's showing what he can do when he has a supporting cast around him. So is Jared. And so you, you're excited to see how these guys grow in this game. Good versus Washington. Uh, that's the best I've seen. That's the good Case Keenum. When you look at his win-loss record from either Houston, L.A. here, that's the good Case Keenum. Uh, the bad case, I hope we see. Um, and at some points in that game versus Washington, towards the end, Swearinger picked him off twice. Twice, yeah. Uh, you, you might see some bad Case Keenum just depending on how much pressure you get. So um, I, I hate to put it down to Jared versus Case, but if so, I, I would lean towards the Rams. Uh, the one thing Case hasn't done, he's had success, but he hasn't grown. He's still that guy. You get pressure in his face, that ball could come back at him, or he can't see. Talk about not knowing whether you're going to get good case or bad case. Yeah. Case regresses to the mean as quickly, maybe more quickly <laughs> than, than any quarterback in the league. And there's actually statistical evidence for this. He has eight career games with uh, performance over 100 QBR. 
in the games immediately following those, he's two and five. Wow. So sustained consistency has been uh, difficult for Case. We've seen him go off on, say, the Detroit Lions and then go to London and throw a handful of picks, right? So right. back back and forth uh, week to week. He's been much better in Minnesota, and in addition to the targets, I think you have to point to his protection, too. He's been sacked once in the last five games. He can move. And likewise here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, Jared hasn't heard footsteps from his left side in who knows how long. Looking, uh, That's why I would es- expect that Minnesota is going to try to take away some of those escape lanes by pushing the pocket, and they've got some horses to do it, mm. some bigs up front. And when you do get physical with your guards and centers and start pushing them back, it also limits your screen game, a huge part of the Rams' offense. So we'll see what they have dialed up. But versus Washington, i got to give, like we give credit to Sean McVay, give credit to Pat Shermer. Washington was crossed up. Oh, yeah. uh, they were Early misaligned on. a thousand times. Case Keenum had some open looks, wide open looks. You should hit those. So as long as Wade Phillips and this Rams defense is dialed in and you make Case have to beat you, then, like I said, that favors the Rams defense. Do you see how much tackle over they were doing with Riley Reef early? Yeah. Their left tackle, bringing him over to the right side repeatedly. Right. A lot of that. Can I say something? Every yeah. time I see Riley Reef run, I'm... I'm shocked that that police chase in college lasted 20 minutes. Jeez. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I don't even know. You but got I have the memory of an about, elephant. How did that even make an impression? I was on just you? looking at Six-year man out of Iowa. And would you like, just go googling or oh, what? Oh yeah, this this is the guy that you know he sent cops on a 20 minute foot chase, and I see him play, and I'm like, that lasted 20 minutes. How? <laughs> well, there, there's a quarterback in this year's draft that uh, MJD hadn't sold on because of uh, how short his yeah his police his run for police chase. <laughs> how short was it? Two seconds. <laughs> Two seconds? Oh, he see, took that's off and got hit. Whack. No pocket wow. passes. No, I, sorry, sorry. Well, uh, just to get back to it, though, I think they've done a great job of designing some plays. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing that you we talked about this uh, every week, how are you going to design plays to stop Aaron Donald? Yeah. That's the key. You have to figure out a way to either get double teams on him. But when you do that, you open everything else up. And, and that's yeah. the key of having a, a dominant inside pressure. See, it's easy when you have an outside guy because you use the back to chip. You can slide the protection, have a tight end there. But to get for a guy to be able to get pressure on the inside and get sacks away and disrupted the way Aaron's done, it, it, it's tough to kind of game plan around that. So I'm interested to see what the Vikings do um, and, and see how they try to run the ball. One. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we've seen leakage in, in, in our defense um, to see how they try to run the ball. And then, two, how these DBs hold up against those wide receivers on the outside. I, I feel like we have the advantage with the tight end, but I think on the outside is where we're going to be a little iffy with those two, those two wide receivers. Let's get back to the receivers in just a minute because I think that's a major key to this game. But can we hear from the quarterbacks real quick first? Yeah. Let's hear from Jared and from Case as they get set to connect uh, at U.S. Bank. I mean, there's so many things I learned from them uh, on and off the field. I think the number one thing – that he kind of imparted, you know, he wasn't, you know, super highly touted coming out of college and, and made his made his career by working hard. And, and really, you know, working that hard work is something that, you know, I tried to grasp as much as I could and, and, and pick up little pieces here and there. So I think that could be one thing that um, I learned from her, him for sure is his work ethic and uh, everything he's gotten in this league I think he's earned and, and fully deserves. So Jared Goff there on Case Keenum and from the Minnesota side of things, Case a little bit more lighthearted. Just like everybody predicted, you know, Case Keenum, you know, with the seven and two Minnesota Vikings going up against the seven and two Rams. So, you know, I'm excited. I really am. I mean, he's he's uh, he's a great player. He's playing really well, and uh, I'm excited for him. I think a lot of that is genuine. Uh, once again, a difficult predicament to be in. Not as awkward and uncomfortable as last year was here in Los Angeles. Um, but like like Kay said, no one no one expected this. Uh, Jared Goff written off as a bust. Uh, Keenum goes to a situation where he's 
basically battling to be the third quarterback. Yeah. Uh, long term, at least with with uh, Bradford and Bridgewater both there. Lo and behold, he's playing sharp, uh, and both teams are at seven and two. But back into what you were saying, uh, Maurice, about uh, the challenge that the Vikings' offense presents on the perimeter. Thielen and Diggs, only pair of teammates to both rank in the top twelve in the NFL in yards per game. And in addition to that, you have to respect Rudolph the tight end. Yeah, yeah. Again, these guys—they're route runners. Um, they they do a great job of catching uh, contested passes. And they're not. Neither one of them are afraid to go across the middle. And, and let's remember, one's an undrafted guy, and the other one's a fifth round pick. Think about that. Mm-hmm. So those are guys. How mi- about the bust that they've overcome? Big and time. Right? Laquan Treadwell's still there, yeah, but yeah. Eh, and then uh, dude that went to uh, Oakland. Helped, oh yeah, Cordero uh, Patterson. Cordero Patterson. Thank you. Good kick return. I think he made the Pro Bowl there a little bit, but never delivered in the receiving game well, like he was expected I was to. Saying, the mindset of a fifth rounder and a and an undrafted guy at wide receiver is completely different than a first round pick uh, or an all star player, yeah. right? Because they have to do all the dirty work all the time. So they're going to go down there and block. They're going to you know all, all the things we see Robert Woods do, all the things we see Sammy Watkins do, Cooper Cup. They're going to do the exact same thing. They're going to go over the middle, take the big hits. I mean, they're going to – so it's going to be a great matchup because you're going to have to cover the whole field. Sometimes when you play DeAndre Hopkins, he's not going to run across the middle that much. He's more of an outside breaking route guy. So you're going to have to stay on the outside as a corner, those mm-hmm. type of things. But these guys, it's like playing Doug Baldwin, a guy who's going to do everything because that's what he's he's been accustomed to doing. So I think this is going to be a great test uh, test for our, our DBs, our secondary, uh, our corner safeties, and how they, how they can yeah. read and react. Uh, you know – Pressure, 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 and, you know, you're going to have Donald, you're going to have Brockers. I hope you have Quinn, not sure. I hope you have Connor Barwin, not sure. Or Ebucom, anybody. You've got to get pressure on on Case Keenum, on Minnesota's quarterback. Let's just say that. If it's Case, it's Case. If not, like you said, Diggs can get by you. Yes. Um, I, I don't care what you think or who the best receivers are in the game. Every, all I see this guy do is beat people. And Thielen had a tremendous last week, and I think he's about – to try to do it again. Um, but, like I said, those are wide-open looks to a quarterback that got hot. So when they did get to Case Keenum, uh, they made it a little bit difficult. I wouldn't say those guys went away. It just made it tougher for them to get open. But if he's standing back there with five, six, eight seconds to throw the football, they're going to tear you apart. They're just that good. Got to uh, get to a break here, but before we do, here's Sean McVay with a quick word on his defense since we're talking about the challenge that Minnesota presents offensively. But ever since the halftime in Arlington, week four against Dallas, uh, this Rams defense giving up less than a field goal per quarter. To their credit, when you really look at it since that Dallas second half, uh, they've been outstanding. You know, they're they're leading the league in takeaways. Uh, I want to say when you look at it since then, you know, they're up there in, in all the, the important stats, you know, the stats that really matter. But ultimately it's about wins. And then the next most important stat is, is takeaways and points from a defensive standpoint. And they've done a really good job of keeping people out of the end zone and getting the ball back for our offense. And, and I think that's a big reason why you see them leading the league in takeaways. And then we've been fortunate to capitalize and turn that into points. Uh, Sean McVay there on the Rams' defensive success under Wade Phillips ever since the win at Dallas. Still to come, we go inside the numbers. Uh, Folks here locally across the NFL may be slow to recognize Robert Woods as a true number one receiver, but boy, his opponents knew it early in the season. Details on that. Plus, we'll go around the division and have four down territory with Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings. But up next, how many trips will the Rams make to Minneapolis this season? It's our all-access poll question, and we'll answer it on the other side on ESPN LA. All right, couldn't resist. This week's ESPN Los Angeles all-access poll question. How many trips will the Los Angeles Rams be making to Minnesota between now and the first Sunday in February? 
think on it a little bit. <laughs> Isn't the uh, big game in Minnesota? There you go. Oh, okay. But what you kind of might overlook game. before oh. choosing between one, two, or three is would you potentially have to go play a road playoff game oh. against the Vikings okay. as both teams sit at seven and two? I like it. So I, I think two I mean, two is the most popular vote. It oh, got 50% of the vote, but it's also uh, the most overlap because you can hit it if you don't have to go to Minnesota to make the Super Bowl. You can hit it if you yeah. do have mm-hmm. to go and you don't make the Super Bowl. So that was the wise answer. One got 28%. Three got 22%. Still working. (laughs) Seven and two. Put it this way. One way or another, let's hope it's a problem the Rams have to encounter. Going to Minneapolis this winter and not just this week. It's going to be a heck of a matchup, man. Um, I like the way Mike Zimmer coaches this football team. Um, They are physical. um, They're fanatical about what they do up there. So uh, this will test your prep. This will test your want to. Um, Look, this... My estimation, this game probably comes down to a fourth-quarter battle. They're that good, you're that good. Uh, fewest mistakes probably win. So let's hope the Rams have their best week of practice and really, really respect going to Minnesota. To, to that point, you know what's left on Goff's to-do list, Goff and McVay's collective to-do list? Uh, what? Game-winning touchdown drive. Oh, they had haven't seen though. that yet. We ha- they had that. They had it. They had it. Yeah. They didn't finish it. Yeah, Cooper but Cup. It was it there, Seattle. though? I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I'm well, with you. They've been fantastic on the road, leading the league in scoring, tons and tons of good. Every one of us in this room believes it's going to happen eventually. Right. Yeah. But to be the kind of team we're talking about them being, to start this segment with, are, yeah. they, are, they, are they a Super Bowl contender, pretender? you got to be able to prove that you can do that, home or away. Th- that, and I, I'd have to say, because I was thinking about this on the uh, flight here this morning, was that... You flew in just for us? I did. <laughs> My man. Every Thursday I fly in. Thank you. Um, they have to have a a drive that doesn't stall, like a 6-4, eke out a first down, right? And then take it like an 18-play drive. If you get one of those, then you're for real. Because now you can do whatever you want to teams. We know you tough can to score. do that this week. Well, it, you know why? It may have to do that. You may Vikings have to do that this week. stout in goal-to-goal situations. Yeah, man. They've allowed a touchdown on just 36% of goal-to-go situations, best in the NFL. No other team in the league is under 50% in those situations. There's not a single thing I don't like about this defense. You think they're, they're big, elite. they're strong, they're well-coached, they hit, they cover, the they other, tackle well, they're let smart. Say, let me say this about this team, too. They've went through a ton of adversity. I mean, coach had to get eye surgery. You lose Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, they've lost Sam Bradford. All these different injuries that, that go on. I group. mean, that over the last couple of years, they went through a ton. Mm-hmm. And, and so they have – I remember talking to Stephon Diggs this, this, past, this offseason, and he felt like if Teddy Bridgewater would have been on the field last year that they would have made a, a run – they'd have been unstoppable. And mm. so this team feels like, okay, look, we can do this with anybody. And so that's that's a mindset as well in its own right. And so now you're going to have a team that comes up that believes that they can win in any situation, a team that can right. – another team that feels like it doesn't matter what happens to us, we feel like we can go out there and win. You're talking yeah. about their offensive line is shuffled around, all those different type of things as well. Well, that, that's why I would give the edge. We talked about quarterbacks. That's why I give the edge to Jared Goff. I think he's just better. If you give Jared, say, he's down by six with a minute, I have confidence that he could drive the football or – one play, and he's in. Same situation with Case Keenum. I favor the Rams' defense. Right. It's going to be tough for him to drive down the field with one minute. Uh, there's just too many things that he can't do in that situation that you can just take away. So You want to name some of them? Do you, you want to spell those out I at mean, all? You're gonna, I mean, this is what I think this might boil down to in certain situations yeah. when you get to both defenses playing well. And I'm going to give Minnesota the edge because they're at home and they faced a similar defense the week before. So okay. this is going to come down to pocket passing. 
at some point, the system, the game plan you want to do is, is going to be taken away by some pretty good defenders. So Jared Goff is going to have to stand in there and read off and read people, uh, look off safeties and make tight throws. I think he can do that. Mm. Um, I think the offensive line can give him time to do that. I'm not sure on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Number one, case isn't very big. Number two, you've got 99 on this mm. side, Mr. Unblockable. So I, I think pressure tends to lean towards the Rams in those situations, and pressure tends to affect Case Keenum differently than Jared Goff. Rams are one of only three teams in the league with multiple sacks in every game this year. Here's my memory of this, and straighten me out. There was a time where I thought Jared looked uncomfortable in the pocket this season. A little bit at Dallas till he settled in, definitely at Jacksonville, maybe some happy feet in the pocket, throwing a lot of balls off his heels. Some were fluttering on him. The last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean... I, so my, my point well, is it's been a while since he's been uncomfortable in the pocket, has had a lot of traffic at his feet. Chasing quarterbacks, I like when I see that. I like when I see a guy that's skittish. It makes me laugh, but I always felt bad for his blockers because we're not even close to you, and you still have happy feet. So I imagine what they must feel about you. So when you go through games and you're hardly even touched, all that stuff should be gone. And he was touched last yeah. week, but he yeah. was touched outside the pocket. But, he's like extending happen. plays right. and chased down from behind. That's but, different but than a, with a, that, though, a pocket collapsing yeah, on right. you. But even with that, though, he still I feel, I feel like Jared is kind of – he's starting to come into his own in his pocket presence, right? Mm-hmm. He, he's able to move. We're seeing him duck and dive out of the way. His escapes right. versus yeah. Houston were perfect. And so exactly. I guess that's my question is, have we not seen it lately because he's fixed it? He and McVay have worked on I think it? He's gotten or have we not seen it because the Cardinals and the Giants and maybe Houston, other than Clowney, well, just weren't putting that kind of pressure on him? And you're mid season and you, you're running repeats yeah. and you've seen these coverage and looks and these fronts before. So you probably have a good feel so of it. So it seems where like both of you from. attribute it to yeah. him getting sharper, getting yeah. better, which oh, bodes absolutely. well against Everson Griffin well, and company. Yeah. Well, getting better and DeMarco said it best running the same plays over and over and over again. That's the key mm-hmm. because now. I know where guys are supposed to be, or at least in, a, in an area where they're supposed to be. So I can I can look all the way to the sideline, look at coach, and then come back knowing that this guy is going to be there and trusting that he's going to be there. The one time we didn't see that was when Sammy kind of pulled up, Jared threw the ball, him coming across the middle, he pulled up and stopped. Right. Uh, but to throw that ball with confidence the way he threw it, Sammy was supposed to be somewhere, and he wasn't. And so that showed me there at that point, like Jared believes, and, and they, they have a trust system in that room. One other question for you guys about attacking this defense. In my mind's eye, from what I've heard from McVay and from Goff a little bit, it seems like they really conceptualize attacking defenses based on what they want to do and can do versus the safety. Yes. Hitting their big plays, it all comes with like fooling the safety, giving the safety something that he can't handle. And they're going to keep dangling that carrot out in front of those guys to see if they can get somebody And the reason I I ask that is because you'd be hard-pressed to find a better pair of safeties, I think, in the NFC than what they'll see this Sunday, right? To me, when they play their cover two with those two safeties, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you do in front. They're going to carry out their responsibilities. That's what makes them so good. They're going to be where they're supposed to be and come up and hit. They don't get fooled with their eyes. That's what I mean. At some point, Jared Goff's going to have to stand back there and try to move one. Seattle-esque in that regard? Yeah. They're that good. Even Earl Thomas, the great Earl Thomas, has been gambling a little bit more And we respect we respect yeah. them a ton because we see them twice a year, every year. Yeah. But I think a lot of corners of the NFL would say this group in Minnesota is better at this stage of their career I right love, now. I they, love their defense. Yeah. Well, the thing what they do, Minnesota, they play a lot, a lot of cover three, but they play it out of a different shell than mm-hmm. Seattle does. And so – in cover three, you can uh, get the safety to do what you want them to do. 
right? So if you put someone running in front of him and a post behind that, we've seen uh, Sammy was open a couple times against Seattle. We saw Deshaun Watson do that against Seattle. You can do that against the Vikings. You just have to have time to get it there because they're blitzing bar every now and then. Mm-hmm. And he's running, he's rushing not on a lineman, he's rushing on a, a running back. And you're talking mm-hmm. about a guy who was a defensive end in college. So they have some different weapons that are going to be – it's going to be intriguing and interesting to see how the Rams pick it up. Do they call it a five-down? They call bar uh, alignment and not a linebacker, mm-hmm. right? Do, do you do that or do you put Todd on him in those situations? But, again, everyone has a weakness. And, and when you look at the Vikings defense, it's it's Trey Waynes is, is one guy that gets picked on a lot. Uh, it's McKenzie in the corner. Their left corner, yeah. Mm-hmm. McKenzie in the slot. Mm-hmm. He gets he gets it. And every now and then they get a guy streaking over the middle because guys, if Sammy Watkins runs a, a a post or a go, and they all take off with him, there's a voided area in that covered three that's always open. And if you can get Robert Woods or Cooper Cover, which we've seen before, come across and hit that area, you have nothing but space to run. We're saving Robert Woods, who deserves a lot of run this week for our final segment and inside the numbers when we come back on Rams All Access. It is four down territory, and we'll bring in Courtney Cronin, who covers the Vikings. That's on the other side on ESPN LA. Injury, um, you know, they had some trouble generating pressure coming off the edge. But as far as we know right now, Everson says that you know he should be playing on Sunday. It's just going to be a matter of whether that foot holds him up. On the injury report, besides Griffin, anything concerning to you from the Vikings' standpoint? Nothing terribly concerning. We did see Andrew Sandejo go out of the game against the Redskins with a groin injury. He was listed on the report on Wednesday with a groin injury and a hamstring injury. But as far as guys that they really need to get back, I mean, take a look at this defense you're going up against. Probably one of the better defensive lines in the NFL. They certainly want to have Mike Remmers back there uh, at right tackle. He hasn't played since you know, he's injured in the first five minutes of the, of the Browns game in week eight. But in his absence, Rashad Hill did a tremendous job, um, you know, hold, holding down his side of the line against Washington. So you take a look at where this offensive line was a year ago into where it is now, it's certainly upgraded with its play at the tackle spots, and, and they'd like to see Remmers back this Sunday. Courtney, thank you for taking some time out of your week, and we look forward to seeing you at U.S. Bank on Sunday. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Four Down Territory, a little bit closer inside the Vikings as we prepare for Week 11 and a trip to Minneapolis. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, and Maurice Jones-Drew with you. Uh, gentlemen, let's take a quick look around the division because uh, the easiest path to the playoff remains winning your division. And this week, Seattle's got a difficult one. Monday night football with Atlanta coming to town. What's your uh, state of the Falcons? And might the Rams get another gift with the Seahawks taking a home loss? Well, see, Seattle's banged up, and uh, they have a lot of issues. Their front seven is going to have to play lights out uh, as they did against the Arizona Cardinals. But I think you have a more capable offense with better better receivers on the outside. Uh, if Earl Thomas is back, some of the things that Earl Thomas, when you watch tape on what Seattle's done, he was leaning towards the rookie side, and they were leaving Richard Sherman one-on-one all year. Hmm. Um, now Earl can't do that. He has to play it straight up. Uh, now it's going to be kind of pick your poison. You have to look him off and, and, and go after him. So I think uh, the Falcons have a great chance. And then, you know, the Seahawks, they're not running the ball. And that's what they that's how they've won Super Bowls the last couple of years or been in the Super Bowl the last couple of years is that they've been able to uh, to run the ball. Uh, they don't have a running back. Um, they're still trying. It's hard for me to say Seattle is done. Uh, there's still some good parts on that football team, and Russell Wilson is still their quarterback, so uh, that's still the team to beat there. So I, I would say Seattle over Atlanta, but not by much. I'm not even sure what Atlanta is right now. Yeah, last I mean, week 
Yeah. They got a flash of what they could be. Right. And I don't have it Still off the top of my head, enough. but there's some incredible number on Seattle in home primetime games under Pete Carroll. Like, since this rain began. Like, they don't lose. They don't lose. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Um, they're still tough. They're they're still excited. They still got a lot of good pieces. And I, I think, like all good teams like New England, they can beat you in a variety of ways. They just don't need one way to beat you. So, uh, Richard Sherman is going to be a big loss, but I bet they can overcome that. San Francisco on a bye after their first win. Arizona goes and faces the Houston Texans team that was just in Los Angeles. What do you make of that matchup? Ooh, uh, battle of injuries. Um, you don't know if Drew Stan's going to be the quarterback for Blaine Gabbard. Looking, leaning more towards Blaine Gabbard from what I'm hearing, which is uh, going to be interesting to see. That's what one of the guys I played with. Uh, to see him throw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald, how that works out for him. But uh, I, I really feel like, you know, the matchup in that game is going to be can Hopkins outwork Patrick Peterson. Mm. That's going to be the end, that's going to be the end all. If, the, if, if Hopkins can win that matchup, the Texans win and Savage has a good day. If he can't, it's going to be a long day for the Houston Texans. Maybe LaMarcus Joyner won the game already. Yeah. Is Will Fuller going to play? He's out. I, I, there you go. Um, I think Houston can put up a fight with just about anybody, but um, – I'll lean towards Arizona. And DeMarco's point there is that LaMarcus Joyner came up and put a hit on Will Fuller that yeah. knocked him out of last week's game and potentially yeah. this week's game again. I think in a lot of ways, Arizona could be the Rams, not ticket to the postseason, but kind of the really critical game that no one's talking about in terms oh, yeah. of whether or not they get in, whether or not they get a buy, those sorts of things. Because mixed into playing the top three teams in the NFC, you got them. You have road games at Arizona and at Seattle <laughs> yeah. and your division. There is yeah. no part of any of us that thinks that those are going in the bank just because of the state of those franchises right now. No, not at all. Um, and the Cardinals do a great job uh, of running the ball and stopping the run. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I know what we saw in London against Arizona. You have to remember there, there's the other adults over there who have families they have to feed. So getting shut out again yeah. is going to be tough to do. And Bruce Arians strikes me as the type of guy that would sink the ship if he can't get out. Just to make sure you can't get out either. Right. <laughs> you know oh, what I mean? Oh, he's taking you down. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pull, pull you if down, there, huh? if there was a way for no NFC West teams to go to the playoffs, he would make that happen. And especially if his you. Yeah. <laughs> especially the Rams, yes. <laughs> uh, let's get out early here because I want to finish with a big final Rams segment that includes Robert Woods, who deserves a lot of our attention, I think, going to Minneapolis. A huge one. 7-2. and two. Again, 7-2 and two Rams and Vikings. And you'll hear it here on ESPN LA. As of the bye week, Robert Woods had not scored for the Rams. He'd never had a multi-touchdown performance in his career. Now he's got them in back-to-back weeks. And we all know that Woods has been consistent. At least 55 yards receiving over the past five games. Only two drops. You know, you talked about the Rams leading the league in that category. He's helped them eradicate the quarterback drops, which plagued them in 2016. But uh, use some pro football focus here to unpack... Robert Woods as a number one receiver. Remember, he came to Los Angeles. This is before Cooper Cup was drafted. This is before Sammy Watkins was traded for. And he said, I want to be a number one. And nothing in his Buffalo track record said that that was possible. But lo and behold, Robert Woods leads all receivers in the NFL with a 128 passer rating when he's targeted. That means you throw him the football, any quarterback has more. Jared Goff has more success throwing to Robert Woods than any other quarterback and any other receiver. But what makes that even more impressive and help me unpack this is that Woods has run the highest percentage of routes while lined up against top 30 graded cornerbacks. So the highest percentage of routes in the league against what you would consider the number one corner for opposing teams, basically. If you figure everyone in the league has one, top 30, that's who he's going against more often than everyone except Antonio Brown and Marvin Jones. 
Those are the top two receivers in the league who get top-tier corners assigned to them. Woods is number three. Woods is ahead of Amari Cooper. He's ahead of DeAndre Hopkins, who we saw last week Julio as a true number Jones? one. Ahead of Julio Jones. Uh, uh, A.J. Green. I mean, you're talking Does that about surprise you? That, that, that's it's very surprising. Me. But- a little bit. You know why? Well, that's where the ball's going. I mean, if I have a good defender, a top corner on the field, I want him to be where the ball's going to be, not mm-hmm. on a decoy. Right, so you're saying from the defensive standpoint, yeah. you see Robert Woods gets the most targets, I'm going to put him over That's there. where I'm going to put right. my guy. But you can spin yeah. it the other way, where if Robert is getting the number one corner, and you've got Sammy Watkins often isolated to the other side of the field, then why are Watkins' targets so far but down? That's what I'm saying. You're yeah. playing with fire, or that I, connection needs to happen. I either yeah. assumed or was looking at it incorrectly that you know Sammy's isolated, he's the number one, yeah. and so well, he's not getting targets because he's often running the number one corner off. Maybe not so much. Well, no, in this league now, a lot of teams do it. New England started uh, probably like 10 years ago where they'll put their number one guy on a receiver and then they'll double the other guy mm. if you have two or three guys. So uh, that's what you're saying. So like roll a safety to roll his is, side. Yeah. So they're rolling a safety over his, They're right. not just singling up Sammy. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I get yeah. that. That's but crazy. But, I, get, I guess I've missed in... But, we didn't see Janoris Jenkins, for instance, but right. you would have looked out there and said, is Janoris taking yeah. Robert instead of Sammy? Like right. those kind of things. But this is where the football is going. I mean, Robert Woods does a lot for this offense, and he's targeted a lot, as you, as you just pointed out. So that's where I'm going to put my best defenders, at least to try to get the ball out or at least make a tackle. You see what happens when he gets the ball in his hands. He's I, dynamic, well, and he runs great routes. Yeah, well, I think that's the key, route yeah. running. He is a route runner. He finds a way to get, get open against any corner, no matter how good they are. If you're a route runner, you'll find a way to get open, and he's strong through contact as well. I think that's the key. Guys try to grab him, he's able to pull through and, and make it happen. So yeah. uh, he is the, you know, where tight ends are the safety blanket for most young quarterbacks, Robert Woods is that guy. That's what I'm saying. Come on, Sammy. I mean, I would pass that stat to Sammy Watkins. I really would. I would write that Sammy down as passed, best I could Sammy and passed that number to one to Robert. Asked about Robert Woods this week, he said he's the number one. See, that's what I'm saying. In one sense, I like so that. In another facing? sense, I said, I don't, I who don't know. Who are you facing out there, man? <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> Sammy may be doing that saying, yeah, look at him so I can get more targets okay. on the back end. Oh, Let's he, hope that's the case. Hey, <laughs> it always works that way. Uh, the receiving core really does complement itself nicely, though. When you talk yeah. about route running, you mix Cooper Cup into that group. Um, boy, Sammy Watkins has hit some big plays the last couple of weeks. Uh in addition to what you just described, though, I think you have to give some play concept and design credit to yep. Sean McVay no because question. you watched that second touchdown that Robert Woods scored and executed to perfection, yes, but it's you just got the sense from the way they celebrated it that that was something they've been holding on to in their back pocket and deployed at just the right moment. I mean, you, you, you run routes to get people open and you get the look you want and it's on the money. I mean, that's that's going right from the sideline right to the field and being implemented, and you hit it. You I know, mean, You want to know what's funny? Yeah. I, I, we, when you watch tape uh, throughout the week, we all watch tape, but mm-hmm. the Miami Dolphins have ran that play and scored on it. it, you're, it, ta- it so you're talking about the uh, receiver they, motioning the in the receiver backfield motion like and an then, end around. Yeah, yeah and they're yeah, stopping. Yeah. When you play a defense that plays man like a lot of teams do in the red zone now for some reason, if you get that corner running, they don't look at the receiver the whole time. They look to see where he's going. Exactly. And that's where you catch him to come back. And it's so funny. Teams are starting to see that. You're going to see that play run more and more. Oh, so you're saying a man defender is looking for Robert to come out the opposite yeah. side uh-huh. off of that action, and instead he beats him back to the near side. Exactly. And, and if you watch yeah. that play, uh, it was, say, we'll say it was Jackson, right? Is that the corner? I don't um, remember. Yeah. 
that there was 25. Uh, he he literally is on the other side of the field looking like, where's Robert? And, and then he, he's catching the ball going the other way. And it runs downhill. Cornerback coach, then defensive coordinator, then head coach. You're all going to get it. I want to play the soundbite from McVay because it speaks to the celebration that they had after that touchdown, which was euphoric. It was, it was hey, we know we got this one now. We stormed all the way back from a first quarter in which we only produced six yards. But it also speaks to, I think, how the team is feeling uh, on the larger level. What you see show up on that tape is a team that's excited for each other. Guys congratulating one another when they make plays, and it it might be a great play by the defense, but you see offensive special teams guys coming out there to celebrate. It's the same thing, vice versa. This is a connected team, and I think we're also very mentally tough. When things don't go well, you're right. You know, We don't blink, we don't flinch, and and we want to continue to embody that because at some point we are continuing to face moments of adversity uh, going through a a 16-game regular season with just how competitive and how tough this league is and your ability to kind of stay even-keeled and resilient through those tough times, I think will serve us well and, and hopefully end up leading to us finding a way to work ourselves through it and come away with wins. Be surprised if they don't face some kind of adversity this Sunday in Minneapolis. Hopefully it's not severe. Hopefully it's not tragic. But at oh, some point during yeah. the game, just like they faced first-quarter adversity against Jadavion Clowney in Houston last week, be surprised if Houston doesn't, if Minnesota doesn't present a similar challenge in some phase. I hope it's not self-inflicted, like you're putting the ball on the ground or you throw a couple of picks. If you're going cold offensively and they're scoring, that's the type of adversity I like because you can build on that, get better, slow them down, start to get warm, and then you make a game out of it. Even Washington last week came roaring back. They just couldn't complete the comeback. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're playing your best game and you're not helping Minnesota, if you help Minnesota on the road, you've got you've got no chance i'm in a great position here because i have a defensive lineman and a running back with me and i want to ask before we go about why the rams screen game has been so dynamic right i mean you've caught a few you chased down a few what is it about this dynamic right now that seems like they have defenses on a string well they call it at the right time it's not on third and long it's in second and medium uh second and short third and short they call it when they're it's not typical call it or they may call it back to back Right, you have a big screenplay by uh, you may. Or I think they did it this week where they threw one; it was incomplete, and they came back and ran another one mm-hmm. right right after it. Defenses don't see it that way, and then they do drills. I remember watching them in OTAs; literally have a whole period of screens, all different type of screens where guys are running out and they're showing you where to go. And they probably do it as well through, throughout the week when practice is closed, where they're going to do screen drills because. In this day and age, you have to be able to get the ball into your playmakers in space, mm-hmm. right? And and it make it turn it into a punt return or to a kickoff return where you have guys like Sammy Watkins. He has Andrew Whitworth out in front. He has a blocker and his one guy. He can make a couple moves and get in. You know, it helps you out. And then to let Todd use his ability in space to be a playmaker, that's what screens are good for. But DeMarco is not just Todd. You also have no. to account for these bubble screens, too. The timing is perfect when they get rid of the football, but it's the bigs up front that are selling pass and then getting out in front. I mean, all it takes is a split second for a guy to make me think it's pass. And I get into a pass rush move, which means I take my eyes off the quarterback mm-hmm. for two seconds. So I'm into a move, and then all of a sudden he throws me by, and he's gone down the field. Andrew Whitworth out in front is scary for yeah. any safety, any corner. And Roger Saffold. And Roger Saffold, yeah. who's another good athlete, down the field just creating space. You'll hear me say this, visual deterrence. They may not even get the block. They're just in the way. Yeah, you got to make a choice to go through them or around them. And Todd Gurley is a good back in space. You go around, he's gone. He has a catch measuring 35 or more yards in three consecutive games. Let's see if he gets another one at Minneapolis. Thanks, guys. That was fun. You I don't know it. how you feel, but if, if this continues on the current track, this won't be the last time we say this feels like the biggest game we've played yet. I think that's true against the Vikings. Love it. All right, off we go. Thank you for being with us on Rams All Access on ESPN LA.